This is Bobby Guy with the 10 Minute Health BizCast. This is album six, track three. If you could snap your fingers and change one thing about healthcare, what would it be? That's the question, and we're continuing with the answers from all our guests over five albums. In the last two tracks of album six, we've covered the answers to that question from guests in seven different fields. We're going to hear from guests in three more fields. So let's jump right into healthcare staffing. Here's Will Patterson, founder of CareRev, a nurse staffing company. I recognize that we're speaking to a healthcare audience, and so I think everybody understands that the healthcare industry is complex. And we're all here to, you know, everybody that's it's working in this industry, for the most part, is here to help other people. And I don't believe that there's one company that can solve all the problems in healthcare or one magic bullet. Um, I think if you're going to innovate in healthcare, especially right now in this time, creating simple, practical solutions that can be applied quickly and easily is critical to making progress. You don't have to come in and solve everything at once. You know, you break the problems down and, and you bite off one problem at a time. And I'm making this sound really simple. I mean, it's not, right? Creating a business involves, you know, looking at what's healthy for your business, how to keep a competitive edge, you know, how, how, to, how to fit the product uh, with the marketing and sales. But you still have to keep, you know, in the back of your mind that you're not going to solve everything at once. You know, you solve it in steps. And I think if we do this as a society with our healthcare system, we're going to get a lot farther faster than trying to solve everything at once. Next up, here's the answer from John Kalkavecchia, Senior Vice President of Business Development at Tapestry Health, which provides staffing solutions and AI for skilled nursing facilities. I actually I kind of wrote some of that stuff down. And it's funny, if I could change something that happened today and snap my fingers, it would be, you know, obviously I want them to embrace technology, of course, and be more receptive to technology, the field teams and owners, the operators out there. But you know what, government, back off. If I could snap my fingers today, back off. This is an industry that is hurting for two years worth of COVID. They took a beating on that. They were blasted on every news channel in the country. It was unfair. Um, And the regulations are only getting tighter and tighter. They have staffing mandates. They have medication cuts, Medicaid cuts, um, Medicare cuts. Um, Northeast, uh, Massachusetts, for example, they're still cutting Medicaid rates. They say that we give you an increase. No, they haven't. The cost of labor today is only skyrocketing. So if I could have snapped my fingers today, I'd, I'd be writing to government and say, leave this industry alone and let them do their thing. Let them build it back because they need to. Because honestly, the population's only getting older. So they're going to need us more and more. And the acuity of the patient's getting worse and worse. They're getting more and more unhealthier. They're staying at home longer and they're coming to the post-acute space at the very last bit now. Just changing that whole the government regs and so forth is if I could snap my fingers, man, I would I'd come in and say, leave this industry alone, let them do their thing and and provide more funding because people should be paid what they deserve. Now let's hear from Frida Mawad, CEO of Quality Rehab Management that provides white label therapy service solutions to senior providers. Well, Bobby, I uh, don't know. I don't know if I can cuss on your podcast, <laughs> so I will try. <laughs> How about um, I'll try and make it as PG as possible. I would cut out all the healthcare just BS, and I know that's not super popular, but 
Um, it's painful to me that, you know, CMS, especially during the pandemic, they find operators. They, they were looking for, you know, things that they were doing wrong. Operators were trying to survive. I know operators. I know this industry. I've been doing this for a long time. Yes, there are bad apples. Absolutely. Yes, you have to protect the public. Absolutely. But the majority of people are trying to do their very best and having entities come into your facility during the biggest crisis and finding people was unbelievable to me. They should have been helping, supporting. That's what they should have been doing. So that type of thing makes me crazy. And finally, in the staffing front, let's hear from Jenna Morgenstern Gaines, CEO and co-founder at Pocket RN, a nursing telemedicine platform. I thought about this question a lot, Bobby. You know, I um, you pointed out, you know, that I have spent a lot of time living and learning from living internationally, and I've, you know, on a personal note, I um, have a goal of living on on every continent, uh, you know, at some point in my life, and I mean, truly, like living, not just visiting and I've got two to go. I've got South America and Antarctica. So there might be some learnings um, that I haven't picked up from from those two continents yet. Uh, I, you know, and, and uh, maybe in a, a few years I can report back on them. Um, but it's hard to think of, you know, what if I could just snap my fingers? Would I change about, you know, healthcare in the U.S. drawing from what I've seen work internationally? You know, I think no one has really nailed continuity of care. I really thought about this a lot. I was, I really wish there was a model and I think we're trying to build that model, but I think, you know, we haven't seen a really good model of that anywhere yet. Um, but one thing that really struck me and that, you know, we haven't talked much about, uh, in the last 10 minutes, um, is, um, is just our relationship with what it means to get older here in the U S I think, we're, we're frankly quite scared of it and we ignore it and our families are pretty fragmented and we see it as a problem to fix, you know, mom or dad, time for them to go to the nursing home, or maybe they just, you know, end up, many of them end up just alone, um, you know, living out the rest of their, their lives. Um, and we don't really see older adults as people, um, with needs. And, you know, I think there are a few countries out there that I've seen in my experience Japan, New Zealand, that we can learn from on this front. You know, there, there are certainly countries where families are less fragmented, um, and uh, and and where you know I think they've they've learned um, you know effectively that we can't just see older adults as a monolith, and you know we need to bust out of the old stereotypes that we have that you know older adults can't use technology or you know they just need our help. Um, you know, I, I think what we hear every day from the older adults that we work with is that that is not how they see themselves. Um, they see themselves as, you know, as a, in the third act of life, seeking fulfillment and connection, and they're not going to settle for the old ways of just being sent to a nursing home. And I think we as a society are missing a huge opportunity by not recognizing that, um, you know, and, and really building a, a world where, you know, we're, we're not just focused on aging in place, we're, we're focused on helping people thrive in their, in their communities. And, and there are some countries, Japan, New Zealand, others, and, you know, Korea um, that have invested in building local communities and job placements for older adults, preventative programs. There's even the village movement. Um, you know, Andrew Cohen started my hometown in Boston. I, I think they are all great models and they all start with 
just actually listening to what people truly want, um, which goes for listening to older adults, listening to family caregivers. You know, I think you know, making sure that family caregivers are heard is key and critically listening to nurses and, you know, just surrounding yourself, you know, surrounding ourselves with, with those people. Um, you know, in our company, uh, we say always, you know, it's, it's the opinion of the patient or the caregiver or the nurse that wins. It is not my opinion that wins. It's, you know, not any executive's opinion that wins. It's, it really starts with just listening to those people who, who benefit from, from care in some way. Um, so, so those are some of the models that I've seen. If I could snap my fingers, it would be a cultural shift, but it would also be a national strategy program investments, uh, policy change, um, that, you know, can, can really enable people to thrive in their communities as, as they age. Now let's jump over to funding. These are several guests whose businesses are focused on how to pay for certain benefits. Let's hear from Brendan Kenzel, founder and CEO of Prima Health Credit, that helps finance dental solutions across the income spectrum. You know, it's it's something we've touched on, but it's treatment fee transparency, right? It's it is still one of the more challenging things. I think it's okay again in uh, elective care and certain outpatient care environments, but as we start looking into that acute care environment, there's just so much mystery. Even it is amazing. Even in outpatient care environments, you can go in and they can't exactly tell you what it's going to cost to get the treatment they're recommending. And that, that needs to change. Um, you know, patients need to understand what they're signing up for. Now let's hear from Suzette Graham, the founder of Patriot Angels, which helps U.S. war veterans access senior living benefits they rarely know they're eligible for. That we would care more, honestly, you know, we've become such big business. Everything is business, obviously. And it's easy to lose the human element. Um, I really think that if we would put the human element back, that we would be a stronger nation in everything that we do. We need to care, empathy, and we need to take the time to listen. So many times we don't listen. Here's some paperwork, fill it out and get it back. And obviously we do that to help make it faster maybe, uh, but we're losing something even in, you know, social media and all the things that we've turned to, we're losing the, the human element. And I think that that's what's missing. I really believe that's what's missing. Scott Yates, president and CEO of First Call Ambulance, talks about pre-authorization issues that make a major difference in getting healthcare paid for. The, uh, the third opportunity is on the, on the back office side, and that would be in the billings and collections. Uh, you know, there's been, and they will continue to evolve on how we care for patients. For example, there are insurance companies that require a pre-authorization for a non-emergency ambulance transport. So if I have a patient that comes in emergency to the hospital, and then it's transferred non-emergency from one hospital to the next, that non-emergency transfer would require pre-authorization. If that happens at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, then uh, I still need to get that pre-authorization before I can file a claim. And if I don't get it and I make the transport, many times the, uh, the insurance is denied, and then that bill has to go to the patient for the transport. Hmm. So it comes back to consideration for the patient. Uh, so there's no surprise bills. 
and that uh, this can be handled uh, a little bit with uh, a little more common sense. And finally, on the funding front, here's Lisa Phillips, who's the Principal Analyst for Healthcare at Business Insider. She's talking about digital health and getting into the funding issues. Here's her answer. This won't be popular, maybe, uh, but I would say I would, what I would change is uh, the whole health insurance system. Um, I'm not saying we need to go to a single payer, but I really think we need uh, a lot more standardization of care. Now we'll turn to capital solutions and investment in healthcare. Let's hear from Josh Trantum, co-founder and CEO of Curex Capital Advisors, a biotech-focused hedge fund. My answer to the question really reflects the fact that I come at this from an investor standpoint, as well as a technologist and engineer, not so much a healthcare services operator. Uh, so with that in mind, I see opportunities to improve you know, structurally the system in a way that can promote and incentivize uh, the development and commercialization and adoption of some of these newer technologies that we see at the heart of future ways of preventing and curing disease. And so some examples uh, would be, you know, the, the adoption of price transparency so that product developers uh, can have earlier and more reliable information as to what the future pricing of those products will be. Uh, you know, we saw the MCIT program that was enacted a year or so ago and then, and then revoked recently, you know, we saw as an excellent opportunity uh, to promote some of that price transparency for the developers of breakthrough medical devices. Uh, so that's just one example, but also, you know, streamlining regulatory processes and then also adopting, uh, you know, virtual clinical trials and other ways of reducing clinical development costs. Uh, all of these things could work together uh, to really streamline and facilitate the, the development and commercialization of, of effective new technologies. Uh, so those are, those are the areas that I would, I would focus on. Now let's hear from Hubert Zajcek, CEO and co-founder of Health Wildcatters, a healthcare accelerator and investment fund. Well, I think my best advice or my best uh, thought would be that innovation in healthcare is imperative. It's not optional. We have to continue to improve. Uh, I'm trained as a physician. It's it's in my blood to to help people and. In, in healthcare, when we discover something that can be applied to healthcare or something that's just de novo in healthcare, uh, it needs to be developed. Now, it still isn't possible to just pop something out and, 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 and have it executed flawlessly immediately, but I would love for there to be more opportunity for early stage high risk ideas to be funded and, um, uh, and in a sequential way being advanced forward with the introduction of, introduction of venture capital along the way or angel capital along the way to help shepherd some of the, uh, these ideas forward. So to me, it's innovation, 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 and uh, we're blessed to be in a country that will allow you to execute uh, if you have a great idea. Finally, let's hear from Christopher Kersey, founding partner of Havencrest Capital Management, a private equity fund investing exclusively in healthcare. Oh, that is a great question. Well, besides addressing the customer service opportunity and the leadership opportunity, you know what I would do? I would focus like a hawk on infusing technology into every nook and cranny of healthcare hmm. as much as possible. Let technology help us engage patients in their health and wellness 24-7. Let technology help us 
identify patients who desperately need improved healthcare access. Very foundational here, very early in the care continuum, but we need to help these folks who need access. And let technology, Bobby, help us make our healthcare system more navigable and user-friendly. Technology is not the end-all be-all, but it's the appropriate use of technology that can improve healthcare, just like it's improved other industries like financial services, education, energy. But exciting times are ahead for healthcare. And I think the adoption and the infusion of technology into these service platforms and even the product platforms can really take healthcare to the next level. Very exciting times ahead. That's it for track three and for all the answers to if you could snap your fingers. But before we conclude album six, we've got a bonus track next week. An interview with someone who provides a very different perspective on delivering healthcare and whose insights are helpful in looking at the U.S. system from the outside in. I hope it will be a treat. This has been the 10 Minute Health BizCast, broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks for joining us.